You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 131 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going, Valerie Koo, the rope whisperer? That's what I've uh, (laughs) renamed you as, the rope whisperer, because Valerie Koo is a rope artist, aren't you, Val? That's right. That's my latest obsession. famous, highly acclaimed, (laughs) in demand rope artist. And I'm very, very incredibly grateful and hashtag blessed, (laughs) hashtag blessed, Val, that uh, I've managed to uh, score a ticket. And it's like, you know, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory where you get the gold ticket and uh, little Charlie got his uh, and he was so excited. That's how I feel. I scored the golden ticket to the Valerie Koo rope (laughs) artist uh, special workshop, Val. That's right. That's coming up in Melbourne. (laughs) I've got a golden ticket. Oh, my goodness. Limited number of seats. It's sold out. It sold out actually the minute after it was announced and it didn't even I get don't know announced. About that's that. how that's how like, you know, how much of a rock star rope artist in, you are. Okay, so listeners, in case you're wondering, Gina's taking the piece. I'm she's not sure not, if I can say that. Um, rock star. And uh, and if you are new to this podcast, then Gina is referring to my recent obsession with rope. Yes, rope. R O P E rope. And so I have have, my house is now full of all different types of rope. I now know a lot about different types of rope and suppliers of rope, and I have been creating different um, items or pieces of art or you know wall hangings and such uh, out of this rope. So that is what Jean is talking about, that I'm a rope whisperer. But this mm. podcast is not actually about rope. It is about photography, believe it or not. But I have actually been taking photographs of my rope. You'll be happy to know, Gina. So um, I'm I'm combining these two passions. The two passions. That's fantastic, (laughs) Val. Makes me very happy to see that. So I am not – so, you know, thanks for telling everyone uh, even more about my obsession with rope. But Mm. how about you tell me what you've been up to lately? In the world uh, of photography is in particular, since this is what this podcast is about. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as you know, uh, I've been uh, travelling and uh, yes. did a, uh, a big shoot over in uh, the southeast, uh, southwest coast of India and so I'm going to be uh, breaking down some of those shots because working with 
speed lights fell is my thing now because what I want to do is uh, work out how and for a lot of us photographers it's about getting getting onto a set getting the portrait done and taking it to the next level and often the thought of bringing out a light, finding a PowerPoint or even Mm. a battery-operated light. It's just, you know... That, that extra level of stress and it's not just that often uh, photographers uh, don't want to travel with all the extra weight uh, as well yeah, so yeah. I want to find uh, a cost effective lightweight system that was quick and easy to use and that you could almost use uh, on your own or just uh, like it's so um, it doesn't need a high like someone with a science degree to actually hold the light for you because often yeah. that happens when you hire an assistant if they don't know what they're doing and they uh, get distracted and the light's pointed in the wrong direction that botches your shot as well so Mm. that's what I've been working on and I'm really excited with the results and I'm really excited to uh, share some of the shots and some of the discoveries surprising because there was some stuff that I tested that I wasn't convinced would be that good or was concerned that it would fall apart before I got to use it properly but was very much surprised with the results and um, very happy to recommend it uh, to to the listeners now. All right, great. Well, this week's episode is about single light portraits using speed lights. But before we get to that, we have a shout out to Belle Parker. Is that right, Gina? Yeah, so um, Belle, Belle writes it that, hi, Gina, Melissa and Valerie Koo. Back back in Jan, you guys helped me on a mini-side regarding rescue pet photography that I do to help rescues find homes for the pets in their care. I'm still learning, but hope you agree. I think your tips really helped. Here's a couple of shots I did last weekend in a dark kennel complex. Thanks, guys. Thanks again, guys. Love your work. And the image... Images that Belle has posted, like one tight shot and a wider shot of the uh, the pup and the new logo that she's created – Unreal! I want to. Yeah. I want to rescue this puppy that she's yeah, photographed gorgeous. here. Beautiful, uh, beautiful, amazing stuff. So well done, Belle. It's yeah. just like, go ahead, Belle. No, well done. I was going to say, Belle, as well. And if you want to look at Belle's shots, we'll put the images in the show notes, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And uh, any images that we discuss in this uh, episode, we will put in the show notes as well as any useful links in the show notes as well. So that's where you can um, find the show notes, GinaMilitia.com. But congratulations, Belle, because these are gorgeous, you know, and I love animals. I love dogs Mm. and cats especially. I've got two dogs and two cats, and I think that um, they're great, absolutely wonderful. So good on you, Belle. Yeah, well done. Beautiful shots, and I'm sure like that they're going to help uh, re rehome a lot of uh, a lot of these beautiful creatures. Now, before we move on to this week's topic, single light portraits using speed lights, you have gone on this trip right recently yeah. to India. Yeah. Let me just ask you. Now, I've been to India and, you know, I had to go there not that long ago for a work conference Um, and, you know, I did, I saw the Taj Mahal and stuff and it was nice Um, and you've been several times. (laughs) I have. Why 
Ev, did you decide to go on this trip and where did you go? So um, I have been several times. Uh, the first time I went, my head exploded several times. It was just like uh, so overwhelming in terms of like here is a, a country that everywhere I looked I saw sights I'd never seen, smells I've never smelled. It was just so different. So I felt like I was just um, opening my eyes for the first time, Val. It was amazing. And so that was really exciting. The second time I went was very similar. And both those, the first and second time that I went, I'm like, I really want to go back and do portraits, but I want to light them. I want them to look a bit more high end than being able to just, just snapping with um, uh. available lights. I wanted something more controlled. I wanted to have assistance. I wanted to pre-think it, pre-plan the shoots, and that's how I wanted to work. So that's what this trip right. was. And I wanted to go somewhere that I was familiar with. I didn't want to be hunting uh, locations and I wanted the most important thing and something that I, I love to do, uh, which is a, a really good experience for me, is to stay put in the one location so that I can continue to go back to the same place or mm. that I, I, I don't need to be um, – because when you're traveling and you're moving every uh, day or two, A, it's very tiring to pack and repack and do all that. But B, you often miss like the light. You're not you're not there at the right time. So like I'm yeah. arriving when I'm going, oh, I shouldn't, I needed to be here in the morning or this was be Here I am in a place and I'm knowing that, okay, that location is perfect early in the morning or this location we're going to come back because the sun's going to be in the right spot at around four o'clock so I had enough time in the one spot to land do a, a proper recce on my own and look around and suss the place out over a day and a half and then by the time I was ready to shoot with the assistants I then uh, brought in their local knowledge as well, because that's why uh, rather than bringing someone from Australia with me or from anywhere else, I'm, I get local photographers to come and assist me because they've got access or knowledge of places that I could never find on my own or I could, but I'd have, probably have to stay there for a couple of months. So that, that, was, uh, that was the plan behind it, Val. Fantastic. And you had been, had you been to this destination before? Where, so where did you go? Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so it's in the uh, southwest coast of India and it's like a major port city and uh, it feels like to me uh, it, like nothing has changed there for like the last two or three hundred years. It's like there's nothing modern about the place uh, aside from there's ju they're just starting to uh, build a few um, higher-end hotels there and they sort of stand out like uh, dogs' cojones. But apart from that, um, everything does is very old school, uh, sort of, you know, crumbling buildings, very rustic, lots of texture, and all the people that live and work there uh, live and uh, 
um, and dress the way they always have. So there's like you you get a sense of another era about the place and that's what I loved the first time I went there. And so uh, this time I was sort of seeking out some real characters and I wanted to take um, some portraits where I could actually not just try and uh, – because often when you're travelling, the portrait shot is maybe um, – it's a quick – uh, hi, can I t- taking your portrait, like letting someone know you're photographing with them, and they're not really sort of all that happy that you are, but they let you, or it's uh, something that you kind of steal from across the street, which is maybe mm. lifestyle or street photography. I wanted to go meet, stand before someone, let them stare me down or stare them down, develop mm. some kind of relationship talk to them, um, build on the shot, uh, direct them, pose them and get, and get, um, get a, a real portrait of them. In what that kind sense, of people? Lighting. So I was using, uh, the locals of Kochi, but I wanted to find, uh, locals at work. So I th- there really is this, um, ongoing theme in my personal projects that, that are emerging and it, it really is, it's men at work, Val. Um, okay. Right. <laughs> so it's men doing their stuff and I wanted them all to uh, because no matter what job it is that you're doing there is this uh, beauty and dignity about doing see, meeting someone who uh, is doing their job well or, or you know in and and that's what I wanted to capture. So whether it's the the uh, rice farmer in Bali or the the boxing trainer in Cuba or you know the 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 shepherd boy in Sicily or the, yeah, right. the guy that works in the laundry in India, they've all got a, the same sort of uh, feel and, and vibe to them. And um, yeah, that's that that that's what I was going for. Uh, the other thing I wanted to do. I've been workshopping a way to get these shots and light them in a way that looks natural mm. and that, that is also like uh, quick and easy to use and so that I'm not having to rely on um, – having to hire like, you know, high end assistants that know how to work the rig. It's very easy. I can control the flash, uh, the power settings from my camera and Mm -hmm. so I can adjust the power settings and all I need is someone that just angles the light in the, it just holds it like a voice activated stand basically, Belle, who's holding the light in the right position for me. And a voice activated stand, everyone, is a human being, just so we're clear. (laughs) Now, um, you said you've this theme has emerged of men at work. Uh, so what did you do on a practical level? Did you wander around and something caught your eye and then you would start talking to them and then and shoot them or, or did, how did you choose the people? So it was a bit of both. So there was uh, some wandering around and uh, waiting for the the right people to show up, and uh, often they did. And then there was a couple of sh- locations that were um, predetermined that we uh, found the people and went in there and um, systematically uh, photographed them all. So it was a, a mm-hmm. bit of both, Val, and that's uh, you know pretty much how how it works across the 
board sure. when I'm photographing. So it's a combination of both. Okay, so the, the topic that has emerged from this um, this trip is single light portraits using speed lights, which is what this episode is about. And I think that this is really interesting because so many of us would find that really useful and really handy to be able to use a single light <laughs> um, using speed lights when, when we're doing our portraits. Now, just in case there's some newbies, Gina, can you just please explain what a speed light is? So a speed light is a small uh, self-contained uh, flash unit that, that g- originally was designed to sit in the hot shoe of a camera and it's used to add uh, fill light to a shot that you're taking. But uh, in the last, uh, I don't know, 10 or so years, uh, photographers have been removing that uh, speed light from the hot shoe and mm. using them off camera uh, to light their their subjects it's and it's not always people it can be uh still life as i noticed uh uh, a few people using them to to light anything i know a guy who uses speed lights to photograph trucks semi-trailers he uses hundreds of them they're so handy you can put them in anywhere in a room because they're so light and uh battery powered and perfect for traveling or location photography on the go so when you've said that you use them off camera, they're no longer on the hot shoe of your camera, what are they on? So I put them on a, uh, a collapsible pole that sort of looks like a um, – it's like a uh, – a, a telescope a telescope it's like a light stand without legs Val basically so it's, so a, it's a boom a, it's a boom exactly yeah. and okay. I think I put the so boom a stick really in the, All yeah right. so and and that could be held by a human being or you know if you had a stand I suppose so presumably you had a human being a voice activated life stand light stand um holding the or the uh, holding the speed lights each time Yes, I did. So it's my, mine is the one that I use is the impact quick stick telescopic handle. So basically everything that we're talking about, I've listed all the items that I took with me, my, my complete gear list and all the different um, – I've named them. I haven't put links there, but like you know what they're called, so that if you want to find something similar, you can. Um, all and, in the show and, notes, Val. And just to ch- so that we can, you know, paint the right picture for everyone, the speed lights that you're using, they are not tethered to your camera at all. They're they're wirelessly connected. Is that right? Yeah. So. Um, so, like, I did. I had two sets of speed lights with me. So, the first okay. that I brought was I have a uh, Canon 600EX2RT speed light. All right. So, uh, that comes with a STE3RT speed light transmitter. And basically, what that is, is a, it's a, a small device that sits in the hot shoe of your camera. All right, and that little device uh, it remotely links to the speed light, so they talk to each other. So you got Dave and Kevin, or Dave and Steve, depending on what you want to call your speed light. <laughs> Kevin is a good name for a speed light, what I if, think. What do you, you call your speed lights, Kevin? Oh, okay. Now Kevin's my phone. You call your phone Kevin. Yeah. Well, that's going to get confusing next time we're <laughs> together, Val, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Hey? Anyway, so you've got Kevin and who? Uh, 
Kevin and uh, Dave, Dave is the transmitter, right? Okay. So the transmitter, basically, you it's on your camera, and from there you can determine what your flash output is. So on a speed light, you can set them to full power, quarter power, half power, one-eighth power, one-sixteenth power, all the way up to uh, one-twenty-eighth power, So which is just like a tiny, like dook, not even a dook. Uh, what did I name the smallest? Um, ding. What's a ding? A ding, which is smaller than a dook, right? Yeah, uh, right. Which is just so like technical. a small – I know. Uh, and the, I've created the dook brush as well. Val, uh, oh so, <laughs> the Duke preset brush set. Anyway, so um, you can control the light. And what is amazing and so fantastic about this when you're shooting, you can be set up, you've got your person uh, holding the speed light in place, positioned for you, or you could have your speed light on a stand, on a light stand. You could be shooting on a long lens 200 metres away from your model and you've already set them up and told them what to do and then you get back to your camera and you realise that you've taken a test shot, it's not bright enough. You just need to go up like half a stop or a stop. So before you had this particular speed light transmitter, you'd have to leave the camera, wander over to the light, fix it, go back to your camera, take another test shot only to find it's now too bright, go back, repeat the process, right? Yeah. Now that you've got this transmitter on your camera, you can do it all from the camera. So change, you know, which is fantastic. The other Great. amazing thing about this particular transmitter is you can get another speed light and backlight your subject and control both the lights from the same transmitter. Now, where it gets really cool is you can now group these lights and you can decide that, okay, so I've got my front light that I want to be, it needs to be at full power. The back yeah. light only needs to be at half power. You can have them at different settings, Val. And then you could maybe bring in a third light, a fourth light, one in the roof, one in the background. You could have like a number of lights and individually control the settings on all of them from the one transmitter. How cool Love it. is that? Very and cool. You can shoot in this manner completely manually or this is where it gets really cool for photographers who are just starting out and don't quite have their head around shooting flash in manual mode. This does it in TTL. So this is where Dave and uh, and Kevin talk to each other, right, mm -hmm. negotiate the best lighting, work together, and they'll light your shot for you. Wow. So TTL, the camera and the flash determine how much light needs to be uh, emitted from the flash to uh, to light that shot uh, well for you. What's TTL stand for? Through the lens. Kevin okay. and Dave talk together. Kevin and, right. or Kevin and Dave do it for you. That's what TTL <laughs> stands for. <laughs> TTL stands for Kevin and Dave do it Dave for do you. It Got for that, you. everyone? The, uh, the, like these companies just need to speak to me first yeah. because <laughs> that's what I would have put as the tagline for TTL. Yeah. Kevin and Dave do it for you because don't you think that has a better ring to it? It does, but it lacks diversity. Maybe it should be Kevin and Mary. I get what you're saying. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. 
So I had now the Canon uh, Speedlight 600 EST is a beautiful unit. I think it comes in a, a beautiful pouch. You get all these extra little filters. You get um, colored gels, a, uh, a, a another a diffuser that clicks on, and it all it's it's beautiful, Val. It's like having a Mercedes in your kit. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's priced at around 579 US. That's about 764 Australian. And the transmitter valve is 285 US, which is 376 Australian. So just one flash, one transmitter, uh, around $1,150 combined, a bit more wow. than that, right? Okay. So that's, that's a sizable investment. That's a lot of money. Uh, if yes, you're the I can kind think of, of quite a few things that I could... Think, that'd buy a lot of rope, Val. Yeah. <laughs> so now now I bet, this is how your mind works now, whenever you hear a figure for something, you're going, that could buy 550 metres of like organic <laughs> rope bleached off the bare bottoms of, you know, from the yeah. rainforest, blah, 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 you know, because that's how they sell organic rope to rope artists these days. That's yes, right. that is a lot of coin. But if you're a photographer that is using this speed light every day, you, you're shooting weddings, you're doing high-end corporate work, you're doing um, lots and lots of uh, headshots or you're doing events, uh, or you're doing weddings, right? Have I said weddings already? Yeah, weddings. Uh, what, um, you want a unit that is going to last and you want something that's going to be dur- durable, it's weather sealed, you want to be like not stressing out if there's a little bit of rain or mist that gets on the thing, it's going to work and you know it's going to work every time you use it. So that's when I'd be looking at spending the big bucks on a unit like this when you want you want you, you know you need to know you're going to nail the shot if on the other okay. hand you're a photographer and you're starting out and you want to get your head around lighting and you want to learn it and you're doing a lot of travel where your stuff is getting uh, knocked around a bit and, uh, you know, likely that, you know, you might lose it here and there or it's just like lots of different stuff and you're getting your head around lighting, I would get this Yong Nuo system. Exactly, it's like exactly the same. Uh, a couple of things I noticed that uh, the cheaper. Build- Oh my god. So for two hundred and ninety-nine US or four hundred Australian, you get mm-hmm. not one but two speed lights, Val. <laughs> not one, do you get a, but two. Wait, do you get a set of steak knives as well? Yeah. You get a set of steak knives and you get the wireless speed light transmitter. As, as well. well. Okay. Two speed lights and a transmitter for two ninety-nine US. Or wow. 400 Australian. That's Love pretty it. good. Now, Love a bargain. So I went ahead and bought this system because I wanted to test it out for, mm. for everyone and I wanted to be able to recommend it and I didn't want to just like say, yeah, it's good, it's cheap. I wanted to use it and I wanted to mm. put it under some pressure. And mm. I did, Val. I used it uh, for four out of the five days that I was in Kochi and mm-hmm. uh, it never let me down. 
and it Great. got a hammering and it was fantastic. It was very easy to use. So it's the same. It's the same people. Um, it is uh, Dave and Kevin talking to each other constantly. <laughs> Dave right? and Kevin are not loyal, are they? <sighs> That's Dave and Kevin will just work forever. They get, they get around. They will yeah, go they to the around. opening of a paper bag, Dave and Kevin. You yeah. know, they're like that. I know some but guys like, like that. Yeah. It's tough, Valerie. Mm-hmm. It's tough these days and they worry that if they say no to too many things, <laughs> you know, suddenly. So they're in that technology. Dave and Kevin are also in the Yongnuo speed lights. So okay. uh, the, the, a couple of things I'm concerned about is the build, the uh, where the batteries, oh, you put the batteries in, that feels like it's going to snap off. I'm always worried about that. There's a couple of other little things that I, I sort of thought, oh, it just feels uh, not as not as sturdy. It's not doesn't have that um, I'm driving a Mercedes feel about it. It feels more like I'm driving a – do Daewoo's still exist? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm not sure. But – it, but they work. They get you from A to B and they do the job and really uh, I, I didn't notice a difference in the quality of light, the speed, the recycling, didn't notice any difference. So uh, I think for that price you get yourself two speed lights and the transmitter and then you can actually backlight and, uh, you know, um, mm. have, have spare light. Um, Great price. So, oh, fantastic. So... Mm. The other thing that I was working with was the – I had uh, for a long time I was using a, a cheap little grid spot that I would put on the speed light. And basically what that did it is it um, it condensed the area where the, the lighting from flash would go. So if you mm-hmm. – it, it just made it uh, uh, the area a whole lot smaller so that I could just put a little dook of light into the face and the flash mm-hmm. would only hit the face and then it would fall off rapidly all all the way around and this was a great look I had a rectangular uh, um, grid spot yeah and I wanted something round and I wanted and the thing I didn't like about my grid spot was that I had to every time I used it I had to gaffer tape it to my flash so I was really annoyed with that uh, and then along comes Gary Fong, who's uh, also a photographer, who's created this amazing system. Uh, he's got a round grid spot that mounts oh. on, and like because he's a photographer, he thinks like a photographer. So whenever mm. you see photographers that design a modifier kit uh, or, or or a light or something like that, so uh, Joe McNally is uh, another master of uh, lighting and. And uh, a fantastic photographer who created a softbox uh, design, and it's mm. fantastic. Like he's thought of everything. And Gary Fong, same thing. His system, uh, he's got a um, a diffuser that goes on the end of the speed light. At, it all packs down flat. He's got the little right. container. You put it all in, and all the accessories, and it's all like thinking like a photographer comes with a grid spot. Grid spot, love, love, love it. So uh, that, Fantastic. that that is also included. So it's now, like a lighting kit kind of thing. Yeah. So that, I that contains I, those things. Yeah. It's, so I bought Gary Fong's Light Sphere 
collapsible fashion and commercial lighting kit. Uh, and we'll put the US, link in the show notes. 150 US, what's that? Is that like 200 Australian valves? Yeah, about. about. A third, isn't it? Yeah. So a bit pricey, but this is like if you're someone who's shooting events and portraits on the go and lifestyle, this is a kind of buy one and the way it's made, it's like very, very good quality. Uh, it's something you'd probably only like you'd buy it once and I reckon you'd get a lot of use out of it. Uh, I think it's I think it's a, an exceptional lighting system i really i really do i mean that it's fantastic um the other thing that i had that uh um i love is a uh, a collapsible beauty dish and uh i have a chimera pro uh, beauty dish again not cheap there are knockoff versions of this there are octoboxes you could use instead and uh, they range in price from maybe a hundred to three hundred dollars that will do the same job so I like the beauty dish because it gives me a hard light with a rapid fall off and then I can also use this attachment with a diffuser on the outside and it gives me a soft softbox look to my light and what's fantastic about the uh, Chimera uh, beauty dish is I can use it with a speed light uh, so it means that I've got this portable sexy uh, quality of lighting that I can take on the go so there how do you, are, so can you how are you using it with the speed light so it sits it, it the the speed light um, it attaches to the speed light so you make your speed light a beauty dish which right. uh, has, has been unheard of in the past and this is just something new. And it's also got the capacity to, uh, you know, if uh, like often the problem with using speed lights outside in full sun is they don't quite have enough grunt to overpower the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but like what you can do is you can pair two speed lights together and suddenly you've got twice the power and mm. you, you will be able to overpower the sun. Or in some instances, some people combined three speed lights into one softbox and then you've got a, a pretty powerful, uh, at, you know, unit that you can use outside. So there, there are all sorts of ways that you can work with uh, speed lights and it's just nice to be able to shape them a bit better so that you're not just getting this hard, ugly light source that speed lights are sort of not- notorious for when they're used without without a diffuser. Great, great. Okay, cool. So, um, all right. So what I wanted to talk about is uh, like, so I've broken down the, the basically like I do, I really do recommend, I, I really had a great experience using the Yong Nuos. I think they're mm-hmm. well worth it. Uh, one thing I didn't mention, they do, they tend to get a little bit hot. The Like the batteries mm. seem to get a bit hot and I think they, they run out. You were lot. in India, Gina. No, no, but I've noticed <laughs> this, like we did another, another test in the studio and same thing. Okay. So that that was oh did I so I haven't told you about this. What? When I was leaving India, mm-hmm. I uh, I go through customs and uh, I'm like sitting in a cafe ready to get on the plane and yeah. uh, the plane's not about to take off what what I thought for ages and suddenly they I'm paged. <laughs> at India airport, Gina Militia, Gina Militia. And so I get to the desk and I'm like, oh, thank God, they're going to upgrade me. (laughs) It's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) They go, uh, you have to come and check your bag. You have to come to downstairs. So I go all the way into the bowels of the uh, airport. And do you know when you 
when you check in and you give you hand your bag and it goes on that conveyor belt and then it goes off into this magical land or I yeah, imagine yeah. do you ever wonder what it looks like on the other side sometimes <laughs> I wonder what it looks like on the other side like you know when the chemist you get your prescription and the chemist yeah. goes through the double doors don't you ever wonder what it looks like back there where they go I do no anyway so so the bag goes through that hole and you think well that must be this magical high-tech place where yeah. the bags are sorted because they've got to get them to the other side of the world and yeah you know, it must be high tech, right? So mm-hmm. that's where I'm taken. So I've got to go through like three or four security screenings. And in India, when you get on a plane, each step of the way, someone's got to pat you down mm-hmm. and make sure that in the five meters that you walked, you hadn't picked mm-hmm. up something that you shouldn't have, right? So I get right. in and uh, I get into this magical place behind the conveyor belt. And there's like, 300 guys just sort of laying around. There's bags every – I don't see a system, right? <laughs> and then they go – they bring over a bag and they go, open it. I'm like, I can't. They're like, why? I'm like, it's not my bag. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> like, it's got your name on it. And I'm like, oh, no, is this going to be like a midnight express? <laughs> oh, know? my God. I'm like, it's not my bag. They're like, it's your name. I'm like, it's not my bag. <laughs> and then I'm like, that's my bag over there so they bring in the, and then the guy who then then they bring another guy behind me and they're like he's like it's my bag and he starts pulling out all this white powder out of this bag I'm like oh my <laughs> But it turns out that it was like something, like he was an atropath or something and it was all kosher. And then my bag, they're like, okay, open your bag. And then in my kit was all these young Nuo um, flashes and all the batteries and they were very concerned and they're like, you know, you're not supposed to have so many flash units in the in the bag and everything. So, But they let oh. me get away with it, yeah, so it was all right. But apparently you're not, not supposed to have them all in one place like that. They don't like batteries and planes. But okay. so I got to go behind the behind the curtain bell. They they didn't let you go in through the conveyor belt on the conveyor belt. I wanted to. Mm, that would be and fun. Then, and then you got to go back the other way and get patted down again, and mm. uh, you know, sent out and like they held they held the plane up so that that could happen. They probably just wanted to pat you down. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, anyway, that was exciting to see that. So anyway, okay. so where were we? We were talking about um, gear. So yes, love that. Love the the batteries do get hot. Um, so what I did notice, uh, the other thing uh, in using light modifiers, Val, is that I found that there really is a difference. I haven't had a great deal of experience in shooting darker skin tones, like consistently on the go like I did over that five days, and I found that um, I did have uh, a lot more control when I was working with darker skin tones when I used a softer light modifier. And the oh. reason for that is that when you shoot a light, a light skin tone is defined by the shadows. That's how you can make it look three-dimensional, right? So the, mm-hmm. you can have uh, light the main part of the face and you can give it t- a tone and definition with the shadows. Yep. A dark skin tone is defined by the highlights, Val, because like we already have right. the darkness of the skin. So adding you're adding highlight to give it that three-dimensionality. 
so the problem with like the way I like to shoot is uh, I, lo- I love to use like beauty dish or grid spot, which is a hard light in the face. And mm. the way I work around issues of shadows and things like that is I like to angle my uh, grid spot or beauty dish flat onto the face so I'm not not getting any hard no shadows or, or things like that and I'm lighting cleanly on the face. The problem with the hard light I found on the very, very dark skin tones that I was using is the highlights caused by the harder light was so bright that there wasn't any detail. They'd go like silver or white. And when it came to retouching that, I couldn't bring that tone back. And it wasn't – it worked, but it wasn't as effective as when I added a softer fill light Mm. and I managed to get a much more even tone. And I just found that for for me, lighting skin tones outside or even inside in locations, I just – found that using a softer modifier like a soft box or if I was using a beauty dish I used a diffuser on the outside to soften that light it meant that the transition from highlight to shadow was a lot more gradual and I didn't get those uh, white hot spots uh, on the skin tones and it just worked a lot better and and that that was what was really nice for me about being able to because I I got back from the first day of shooting where I was using uh, Beauty Dish and I'm like, what is it that I don't like about these shots? What's the, what's the problem? What's the problem? And then it dawned mm. on me and I'm like, ah, the light is too hard for the darker skin tone. So that was um, that was good, good to know, good to be able to work out. So, yeah, softer yeah, light awesome. worked much better or daylight with those guys. So, um that makes that, sense. That, yeah. So um, I found that the uh, best combination for uh, shooting with uh, speed light is to have a large – so if you have someone who is particularly inexperienced holding your light or mm. you, are, you, you are shooting with a uh, – a, a, a light stand. I think the best modifier to use is something like a uh, a large-ish octobox, or right. a, which has got the diffusion, and then or a, like a one of those uh, umbrellas that are reversible. That yeah. Could, because the the reason for those the umbrellas that look like an octobox, they open up and they've got the back paneling as well. Is it's a lot harder for the wind to catch onto those and blow them over, and yeah. they're a bit more forgiving with the lighting so if you've got someone who's holding the light for you and they get distracted by something shiny then uh, moving the light a couple of millimeters isn't going to affect your shot when you're working with something like say the Gary Fong uh, grid spot which is a tiny area if your assistant uh, or you don't aim the light in exactly the right place you're going to end up with the main part of the light hitting their chin or hitting their forehead so you've got to be so spot on when when you use these grid spots it's you've got to get you make sure you get your sweet spot right in the center so uh, I suggest that before you use something like this that you get out your um your styrofoam head and uh, <laughs> or or a friend and uh, and practice and and practice so that you 
you get the angle right and so that after a while, after you've done it a few times, you kind of uh, – you, you just know where the right spot is. You can yes. feel it and then and then you can actually see it in the results and you can tweak it. So speaking of styrofoam heads, did you ever replace Wayne? So regular listeners will know that uh, Gina's styrofoam head is he, his name's Wayne. You know, like the lighting <laughs> transmitter people, are Dave and Kevin. Well, styrofoam head is Wayne, and um, Wayne kind of carked it at some point. He's uh, still did, with us, Valerie. Oh, he's just really? Like, sorry. Yeah, he's just like, he's just um, not as pretty as he once was. So we lost uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, facial features. What did you <laughs> do were, to him again? So I wanted to um, give him a suntan and I had uh, brown spray paint, which was ended up being a bit too golden and I didn't like it, right? Right. And so then I went and got like a mid-grey spray paint. Yep. Uh, Unfortunately, it was a – uh, the 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 gloss uh, spray it was the wrong kind and it melted the right. stars. Oh, <laughs> so, so you haven't replaced Wayne. No, I've still got Wayne. That's like not not You're right. You're persistent. Wayne. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, but we digress. So, all right, where are we up to now? So, um, I was talking about the uh, using the um, grid grid spot. Uh, no, sorry, yes. the uh, softbox is the the kindest and the easiest to use, and uh, or you can use the beauty dish with a diffuser, and mm-hmm. um, from there, if you're going to use the grid spot, you've got to be uh, super careful and make sure that you aim it closely um the other thing that i wanted to talk about is like you sometimes like like you can light everything but there are other ways around it so i've got an example in the show notes where i've got uh the same shot taken uh using a technique called HDR where I I posed a guy and I took, uh, set my camera to shoot in HDR and uh, it basically does a frame that's underexposed, one that's correct exposure and one that's overexposed and then you combine the uh, three images together and -hmm. you get a a complete tonal range in your shot. So I shot a guy – in front of the uh, Chinese fishing nets and using the HDR technique, I managed to get like lots of detail in his face and he looks quite good. And then directly um, under that, I've got uh, an image that's lit and you can basically can't tell the difference. So like you can, sometimes you can save yourself the trouble. And if you know what's possible in post-production, you know, you can avoid having to, um, uh, bother with flash when when you don't need it because there was there was mm. enough light out there that 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 shooting with flash didn't really make a difference but uh, yeah mm-hmm. I wanted to show that technique. Cool and of course all of these images that we're discussing you'll find in the show notes at GinaMalisha.com and I think that they're awesome they're at, they're images of as Gina mentioned men at work but specifically in India and there's some of them there's just this old world movie star feel to them um, and 
and there's very street scenes as well. Are we going to go through these or are you so going to talk about specific through, ones? Yes. So I've got one that I actually found uh, the Indian George Clooney at the okay. Fisher <laughs> Okay, the Indian George Clooney. The Indian George Clooney. And so I shot him uh, using a beauty dish and I also um, set it up. I added some props into that shot and uh, created the image that I wanted to create. And this was one of the shots that resulted from the uh, behind the scenes video that I uploaded to the podcast community, which is at the Chinese, they're cantilevered fishing nets. They're quite famous in uh, this region. And uh, yeah, so I pre So this the guy who's smoking? With this guy, I've got all their names. Uh, he's one of the fishermen, and uh, I organised him the night before, and uh, he was there, ready at uh, seven a.m., ready to go. So I had him at the side of the boat, and is uh, this the image that where he's smoking? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's a black and white image of a guy. In, he's obviously a fisherman. There's a prop there, is because he's got his hand resting, kind of like on a fishing net, and then there's the fishing nets in the background um but and he's smoking a cigarette and looking off in the distance and it really does look like one of those black and white old hollywood movie kind of um it has that that sort of feel um and it feels like it's going to come off the page and become a Hollywood movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, and, and, and Gina's done this in black and white. So in post-production, you have done this in black and white. Is that yes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I worked with that and uh, grunt, grunged it up by adding what a lot of What feel were you clarity. going for? I was going for that old world you know, from another era. That's what I wanted yeah. the image to look timeless. So I wanted to remove and even down to the uh, I was careful that I he wasn't photo, uh, smoking a tailor-made cigarette. He was smoking, yeah. the, I think they're called biddies that they smoke over there. So they're a, okay. like the, 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 it's a like a they look like rollies. Yeah. So it didn't look like it was, yeah, even like little details like that to make sure that uh, it, it did look from, like it was from another era. Looks great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, another one that I did, like I'm working on a bike series as well. So <laughs> I uh, stopped some guys with their, with their bikes, their 1950s bike. And again, mm. like you can change the look and feel of a shot uh, just by the angle uh, at, at which you come in with the light modifier. So uh, there's there's a guy that he's leaning over his bike and he's just lit yeah. from the side and I've let the mm. other side of his face fall off. So just by the angle where you hold the um, – the, the light modifier can can change the look and feel of the shot. So I don't want any of these shots to look lit. That's not the idea. So you can come in and really okay. blast blast in the lighting and make it all look flat and yeah. uneven. But it takes away the the sort of the magicness of the location. So the idea is just it is. It's just like I exposed from my scene like I was going to shoot it um, without with daylight, right? And then the flash yeah. is just adding a little dook just to raise it to the next level. And so that's all that is. It shouldn't you shouldn't be able to look at it and say, I know that was lit by flash. Uh, mm. because if it is, I, I know I haven't done my job well enough. So there's also there's an example of uh, where we've positioned uh, like a, a couple of behind the scenes 
I've got with um, Saron there, who was uh, one of my assistants holding the beauty dish and uh, and uh, where, where I positioned my people. And I, I really made sure that I worked with, you've got like nature gives you this amazing backdrop of beautiful light. It's all there. So you can actually work with what you have. And if you're working at early, early in the morning or sort of late mm. at night, so we would start at, at six or seven o'clock and then sort of be wrapped by 11 because the light was over. It was like it was hard. There was nothing to work right. with. And then I would wait till later in the day to go out and shoot again because I didn't want to shoot in the middle of the day because there was n- not much not much there. It's like you can mm. go inside and try and create some stuff. But like if, you, if you're choosing those early parts of the day, you can um, – you know, get this lovely sort of backdrop that you can work with and the right amount of light, light, easy, quick. You can set it up very quickly and uh, and get what, what the, the look that you want. Um, mm. There's an image there of a guy doing uh, in a laundry valve who's ironing um, that I shot and I oh, recreated, yes. I wanted to recreate window light. So I think if you look at this shot, you can't say, oh, this is lit. Uh, That's right. Basically, it's a guy in a old, very rustic-looking laundry, and he hasn't got his shirt on because it's it's probably really hot in there, and he's ironing, and the, it's it's probably an old kind of iron as well, and you can only just see that he's ironing, um, you know, at the bottom of the shot, and he is looking out into the distance into what. I assume is a window, um, but yeah, yeah so me. out the window. So I've got my assistant outside the window holding up a uh, beauty dish with a diffuser to light the uh, side of his face there and just uh, bring in a bit more um, daylight there just to, to help it look like he was lit by window. So in that I'm mm. sort of cheating it. I'm looking for where is the light that is lighting right. him and I'll, that's mm. where I'm going to add more light just uh. to, to help it along. So And it's just a very low amount of light. You can see I'm shooting at a very shallow depth of field for this shot and yeah. um and and there it is so it just made it um uh, just adding a little bit not a lot but I, again i wanted these to look uh really natural and like they weren't lit at all um and there, there's yeah. also like a couple of more portraits of the guys in in the laundry there uh shot using that like the guy that carries the tea um, and also there was the guy that hangs out the washing that I shot in amongst all the uh, the clothes that are that are drying in the in the background and I shot him as well using the beauty dish so um, yeah I just wanted to make it all look as as natural as possible and there's so much you can do with the just simple little modifiers and I think you find that you've got your modifier of choice that you like to work with and um, and there's others that uh, that that don't work as well. Um, I'm just trying to find the ones that it's, I. It sounds like it seems like such an incredible trip. My my absolute favourite shot, which I just love and cannot stop looking at, is one where I believe it's a laundry as well, and the, their laundries are not like the laundromats that we're used to. They're kind of concrete bunkers with some troughs, I, I think. And yeah. this guy, there's it's a it's a shot kind of front on of um, where they wash, and it's all. Yeah 
a lot of concrete, a lot of grunge, a lot of um, buckets and pails and milk crates kind of scattered around. And he is sort of like moving a sheet from one trough to another. And you've managed to capture him in action as he's kind of flicking the sheet, a white sheet. So he's got his, um, he's got no shirt on and he's got kind of dark skin, but then there's this white sheet behind him that he's flicking like from one trough to another. And you, and, and you've caught it in action. So the sheet is midair and there are all of these incredible droplets of water, um, also midair as he's moving this sheet. And it's just such a, fantastic shot because of the action and because of the 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 colors the patina I suppose and um hat can you tell us tell me the story we we put all of these shots of course in the show notes can you tell me the story behind the shot because it's my absolute favorite yeah so here's an example of uh you have a plan in your head and it's like I actually planned so you can see that the image directly under that image Val is the guy posing for me right yes and uh it's just not the same it's like this was always meant to be an action action shot so being prepared to capture that that image as action. So this is where I cranked up my shutter speed to make sure mm-hmm. that I froze all that. So I think I was shooting at maybe a thousandth of a second so mm. that I froze all those little droplets of water and make sure that I froze the action because I wanted this to be a dynamic shot. The other thing about this image, Val, it was it was like perfect garage lighting. So where yes. he is inside there, the lighting was incredible the problem was that the outside everything that's outside of that shot was in bright white sunlight yes okay but the good news is that everything outside the only thing moving in this entire frame was the guy Yes. Right? So I shot the whole thing as an HDR, okay? Ah. And I, I combined the image together and in Photoshop I brushed in the uh, all the things that were overexposed and I managed to get a beautiful ah. tonal range in this image and yes. that's how that was created. That's incredible because, yes, yep. if you had just shot it, the, the stuff in the foreground would have been very overexposed if you wanted yep. to – if you were just – if you wanted to see what he – what was going on with him okay that's fantastic I love it so much it's just so so good it it worked really well so there there was Mm. um you know it's like it's not always uh like flash yes bring them and use them and I think uh maybe 75 percent of the time I shot with flash but there was like this uh this beautiful um scene that was going on out my balcony. So I had, I was on like the seventh floor, Val, and Mm -hmm. I had a street directly under me and constantly there was this flow of people walking past Mm -hmm. and it was a bird's eye view and the light was changing constantly. And I took, I I reckon I took about a hundred frames of this scene going by. I've I've shared a couple, a few of those from that bird's eye because the light is amazing and it's just a, a, a really different way uh, to see things and 
Just to finish, Val, I found the uh, shot that I wanted to share, which was using mm-hmm. the grid spot is fantastic when you're shooting someone in a very tight location. And so I found this amazing um, – uh, like a reading room, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, there's the, like these again. Uh, it's beautiful and li- like little garage lights, little a- uh, alcoves, and like they p- this particular society loved Che Guevara, so they got his image <laughs> everywhere. And, okay. uh, and, then they had, and then they had, <laughs> and then they had um, like it's this like rustic and everything about it was beautiful. So I managed to find uh, a couple of guys that volunteered to pose for me and um, popped them in the room and then I had uh, my assistant uh, in the corner holding the grid spot and I was out on the street and we managed to uh, light the guy, light up his face and again, so, I used my – yep, sorry, Val. No, 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 yeah, so basically you're shooting from the street into an interior room because yep. through some open doors yeah. and presumably it's quite bright in the street yeah. but the interior room's probably not that bright. Right, because these are old buildings, yeah. and but when you're looking through the doors of the and into the interior room, there is a guy reading a paper, and you're saying that your assistant was inside the room but out of yeah. the shot yeah. with Holding the light. The, so yeah. Yeah. that's how you that's how both the outside and inside um, are, are lit. And so, and then again, shot as an HDR. So I've made uh, sure that I've got a couple of other so that I can combine the three images fantastic. together and uh, get get a shot that looks uh, like it was all done in one frame. And HDR oh, is here's a the other thing. Yeah. This mm. no tripod. This trip fell. I didn't what? bring one. Yeah. No, that's very un you. This is very un me. I'm going oh handheld, baby. Now. <laughs> Wow, that's incredible. Uh, well, it's another four or five kilos. Um, yeah. And it's just yep. getting so hard to get hand luggage onto a plane these yep. days. Yep. Uh, and this goes into my luggage, and it just made it really difficult to bring because I'd rather bring the beauty dish and uh, like a, a couple of extra speed lights and have that sort of stuff, the pole. And I'm like, I, I reckon I can do it without the the tripod and I did great now the thing is that now there are a lot of photographers out there who they're very used to speed lights or some who use speed lights particularly in low light but something to take away from this episode definitely is even when you're shooting in daylight sometimes in you know in situations that you think it's just you don't need any extra light because you're in India where it's really sunny (laughs) or you know somewhere there it's it's really sunny there are certain situations where that little dook or that little ding can make all the difference and I really think that um, some of the images uh, many of the images that Gina has taken has shown how that just that little extra um Duk or ting, <laughs> so technical, mm. can just give your images the edge because it's it's so <laughs> it might might seem counterintuitive, but um, it's certainly something worth experimenting with. It's it's great. The one percenters, Val. The one percenters mm. that like you know, it's taking the trouble to yes. compose your shot, then it's taking the trouble to do that extra little bit of posing or clearing out the background, then mm. adding that extra little bit of light, the extra little mm. bit of effort to. Uh, 
post it to edit your shots and you know really like the, when you put all the photos line them all up like it's not a huge difference in how they look as raw files but like you know that all those extra little things are what's mm. going to set apart you know a good photo from one that's maybe just like just so so just that, mm. Those neck, those little little things, little things, but they make yes. all the difference. Yes, and you know, it's it's the 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 thing about these shots as well. They're just fantastic, especially you know some of my favourites. I just think that they're amazing. It's not like you went to. Hollywood and shot amazing Hollywood stars who are stunning looking anyway. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. You went to a pretty poor looking place yeah. in India that and shot ordinary people doing very ordinary things. I mean, the laundry and some of them can be so powerful and so evocative when you, there are so many of those little one percents. So great Exa- yeah. um, examples here. Yeah, fantastic. I loved this week's topic. Thanks, Val. I love the whole thing, you know. It's yeah. um, uh, amazing to be able to go and do something like that. And as I said before, you know, you don't need to go to India to do no. this. And I think the thing that stands out for me, hopefully that stands out in the photos, is how much I loved doing them, how much I loved shooting them. And, you know, like mm. there's a bike in the shot and the light <laughs> and the <laughs> fact that I loved being there. But this could be um, down the road and around the corner in a lunch hour mm. like you know some of these setups were 10 minutes 15 yep. minutes in total so like you could do one of these a week if you wanted mm. to um mm. and i think it's 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 really important and you learn so much about lighting working in this way Fantastic. All right. So apart from the show notes that you'll find at GinaMilitia.com, you should head on over there anyway and sign up to Gina's newsletter, which is a fortnightly newsletter that's just fantastic. It's full of lots of resources and ideas and tips and um, links that Gina thinks that you might find useful. And even more importantly, every so often Gina provides only to newsletter subscribers, free Lightroom presets, but you have to be on the newsletter to to receive them because the link is in the newsletter. Um, uh, so sign up and it's free to, to sign up to the newsletter at, at GinaMilitia.com. In the meantime, Gina, where do we find you online? I'm Apart at Gina, Gina Militia.com, of course. You can find me at Gina Militia on Instagram, so G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A, Gina Militia on Twitter, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. But I'm also like you, there's stuff on um, YouTube as well, so just look for Gina Militia on YouTube as well because there's lots of um, light And light guess what, it's spelled the same way. <laughs> same way as, as, as well. And I think there's one other Gina Militia in the world. I think okay. Yeah, so that's it's pretty. I think there's probably pretty, there's possibly more than one, one or two online been, now. But online the long anyway. time I managed to get all of them first, which is good because okay. you had to fight a few Valerie Coos for some of your names, didn't you, Val? Only myself. Because imagine, no, isn't there other Valerie Coos? How many other Valerie Coos are there on Facebook? Oh yeah, but I I I have the you Valerie got them all Coo. first. Yeah. Imagine Except if you named- what I. What I mean by fight myself is that I then that's now on my page which I don't use. So now I on my personal profile it's Valerie Koo dot thirty three. 
<laughs> it's confusing. Don't worry. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Valerie Koo, K-H-O-O. We'd love to hear from you also in the podcast um, group on Facebook. All you need to do is search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and join the group. It's free to join and we'd love to see you in there and connect with you in there. So, Gina, what is hashtag Gina challenge this week. Now we have uh, a challenge every week and we have a particular theme or topic which you can interpret however you like and we upload those photos, our interpretation of of that topic, into that Facebook group. So the hashtag Gina challenge this week is? Uh, The speed of light, Val. (laughs) I like that. So hashtag yeah. Gina challenge, hashtag the speed of light. So put those things, both things in there so that we can um, make sure we check out your interpretation of the speed of light. You can interpret that however you like. We'd love to see your shots. All right. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.